Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. Sherman of the Athletic joining us. Hello, guys. The intent that he had in putting this staff together will overrule all of that, no pun intended. Yeah, you've got to get bigger and bolder every time, right? Call Mitch. Call Mitch. Call Mitch. Call Mitch. He is Mitch Sherman of The Athletic, who joins us on the 42 Degrees the Source hotline. Mitch, good afternoon. Good afternoon. How are you guys? Good. Uh, not bad. Not bad at all, um, considering it doesn't feel 25 degrees below zero anymore. Mm. It's a big improvement. I like it. I'm just waiting for the streets to start flooding, but, you know, I'll take it. By the way, that is a note. Uh, make sure you uh, get your uh, windshield wiper fluid. The wife was on me yesterday a couple of times. Say, hey, make she sure the on car. on you a couple of times? <laughs> to make sure that there is windshield wiper fluid in all of the vehicles. Yes. So I, got, I, I actually so I topped up. off. Yeah. I topped off in yesterday during halftime of the Lions game. Nice. I did that recently. So that's a great that's a great suggestion for everybody. I think it's uh, should should be should be something that we all consider this week. There you go. It's it's a it, it's a big deal. You got to do it because mm-hmm. you're going to get splattered with a bunch of gunk and it's going to be so like gross that. this week. Yeah. Yeah. It's going to suck. Um, speaking of sucking. The uh, entertainment value. <laughs> How much of the Polynesian Bowl did you watch, Mitch? Good question. Did you watch it all? I was wondering where you were going with that. No, I didn't. <laughs> it was kind of late. It was. It was. Uh, it wasn't the most entertaining game. No, although I did enjoy not. watching Dylan and Carter's team come back and and make it somewhat interesting, entertaining, interesting. Um, Enjoyable to watch. I, I might be taking it a bit too far in the in the second half, but you know you can take a few things from it. There were there were some plays. Uh, Carter Nelson certainly showed up, and and you can see that it's probably not going to be a massive transition for him from the eight man game to the eleven man game because he's so fluid and athletic, and he's going to beat people with with those skills that he's got. And you know while he's not going to know everything coming into Nebraska that, um, you know, maybe someone who played 6A football in the state of Texas or even Class A in in Nebraska does about um, just some of the nuances, he's going to make up for that with his his talent. And you can see that on display in the All-American Bowl when he played in San Antonio and ran through about six defenders after the catch. And then then even more so in, in Hawaii, um, you know, running down the seam and making a, a catch that was a really nice throw from from Raiola in traffic, and how he, uh, you know, kept his spacing well. The two of them both did on that little nifty um, option play, I suppose you could call it. It was a zone read where, where Raiola threw it to to Nelson on the sideline. That's something you could see in the Nebraska offense um, probably uh, as soon as next next September. So um, I was. Definitely encouraged, and, and it made me think that, that Carter Nelson, you know, even though he's coming uh, after the spring, 
because he's such a great athlete, is somebody who can help Nebraska, certainly in four games and maybe in more um, next season. And Raiola obviously is, is going to be asked to help Nebraska if he's healthy in more than four games. And, you know, we saw his arm on display. Um, you know, it wasn't like a 300-yard passing game, but we got to see him throw the ball, and, and he's still good at it. Mitch, you know, with with uh, Riola and company now enrolled in classes and the uh, semester beginning, I, I you know, we're going to end up looking forward a whole lot more in the next few weeks and months. But I did want to look back one more time because I don't know if if I've ever asked you or anybody this, and that is the month of November and and the losses piling up four consecutive to finish the season and the way in which those losses happened, specifically with how the offense played. Do you think? That if Nebraska makes a bowl game, that the month of December and Riola still unfolds the way it does, or is that just like a maybe convenient talking point given how bad the offense was? Essentially, I'm asking: Did that kind of force their hand that Harburg and and, and even Chuba to a to a degree struggled as much as they did that month? Well, no, I think Dylan just kind of came back to them. You know, I don't, I don't think it was. And you, you take I take Matt Rule at his word on the way December went, and the Riolas say the same thing that. You know, around December 10th, it 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 struck Dylan that that Nebraska was was an option that he needed to consider more, and that he wanted to come see it again. And he he chose to to come back into play for Nebraska. I don't think it's because Nebraska was continuing to recruit him or put pressure on him. I don't think it had anything to do with the way November went. Now, once it once it it, it became a reality, and once Dylan was was signed. And some of the things that, that have happened since then with the way that Nebraska aggressively pursued other playmakers on offense, some of the other things that Nebraska's done in um, changing, one, the makeup of its offensive staff, and, and two, um, the look of, of, of its team, really. Um, it's, it's another huge group, 40-plus, um, when it's all said and done, newcomers for the second consecutive year. I do think that there is a part of that that was influenced by the losing streak that Nebraska endured in November. But once, once Dylan Raiola was a part of it, um, you know, I, I, I think that was much more of a factor because with him, the urgency changes and it becomes more of a situation where if you're going to have this five-star quarterback in the program, um, yeah, yeah, you still want to build and this is still a gradual process. And, and, you know, Matt Rule has said it himself that he's going to do things slowly but you also have to understand that that the urgency goes up and um, the, the the need to put players around him to protect him on the offensive line. They've done that through the transfer portal. Uh, that that became a higher priority. So I think more so than what happened in November, it's what happened in December that has led to uh, the, the 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 changes, the transformation, if you want to call it that. Mitch Sherman of the Athletic joining us on the Forty Two Degrees of Source Hotline. How do you think? The whole offensive coordination slash play calling slash play design integration, how do you think that mechanism is going to work? You've got Rule, the head coach, Satterfield still on staff, Rayola, your new quarterback, Glenn Thomas, your new quarterback's coach. How do you see that piecing together? Is there enough, there are enough clues to know how it's all going to work, or are there still some key pieces that we're waiting on before we know just how this is going to look? I think most of the pieces are there. You know, I don't. I there's inevitably going to be some departures, most likely after spring practice. That's the way it it, it has to be, and the way it's going to go. And it's 
that's one of the uh, just the byproducts of, of, of spring when you get this 2024 team or most of it together uh, for the first time on the field. There will be players who are hoping to get opportunities and don't get opportunities in March and April, so they'll hit the portal uh, in that April 15th to April 30th period. Um, but coaching-wise, you know, unless there's uh, someone who gets an opportunity with the fallout that we've seen from the domino effect in the, in the latest coaching changes at the, at the college and NFL level, I think they're, they're pretty set with where they're going to be. On the offensive side, I mean, it's a great question how it's all going to shake out. I mean, Marcus Satterfield is the offensive coordinator, and, and he's going to be heavily involved in, in calling the plays. You know, Essentially, he's going to be calling the plays, um, I would assume, from the press box, um, as he did uh, in the second half of, of the, the 23 season. And you'll have Glenn Thomas uh, on, the, on the sideline with your quarterbacks, uh, you know, in, in communication with with Satterfield and, and with rule and talking to those QBs. And, and of course, you know, he has the title co-offensive coordinator. So he's going to be a big part in what they do offensively um, in the game planning and the, in the strategy and, and, and the game day operations. But um, it's it, Satterfield's still the OC. Um, so uh, unless we hear something different uh, between now and, and August, that's, that's the way it's going to go. And, and, you know, I think, I think people have to, have to recognize that and accept it. They've, they've, they've made it pretty clear that um, it's, uh, you know, nothing has changed in that, in that play calling mechanism. Mitch, you wrote late last week about the new additions, uh, whether it's freshmen or or transfer portal guys that will be on campus for uh, the spring semester. And one of those players was Jamal Banks, wide receiver. Um, You ended up linking, you know, what he did versus Clemson in 2022. And so I ended up watching that. and, And then it got me thinking, you know, in the last five or six years, Nebraska, they have had a wide variety of production uh, in terms of the wide receiver transfers, whether it's, I mean, I think Trey Palmer, we'd all agree, is certainly the best. Um, Billy Kemp's production, perhaps amongst the worst. Like, wh- wh- who does he best compare to from the group of wide receiver transfers that we've seen run through here, I guess, since near the beginning of the Scott Frost era? Yeah, I mean, I think physically there, there's not a great comparison because they haven't brought in a receiver like him who who is as, as big um, banks and Nayer both are six, three, six, four guys over 200 pounds. You know, Palmer wasn't that big. Just, just has, has, uh, you know, elite speed. Yeah. And you see that working in the NFL now. Uh, well, not, not after this weekend, he's done for the season, but he had a, he had a solid rookie season and, and it's going to continue to play in the NFL and put up a thousand yards at Nebraska. Um, you know, in terms of production, you know, the guy I think about more is Samari Toure. Um, but he wasn't as big and physical as, as Banks. Um, Banks is the one, and I singled him out above Isaiah Nair because he's done it at the, at the Power 5 level the last couple of years, where, where Nair yeah, has been at Texas, but because of injury and then just the, 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 the backup of talent on that roster, he hasn't had the opportunity the last two years to play. So that's quite a layoff, but uh, physically he should be able to, to – uh, be up to the level or above what he was at Wyoming in 2021. And, you, you know, then, then with what Nebraska has depth-wise, you expect that he's going to, to be a big contributor in this offense. But uh, may, those guys together, uh, that's a formidable duo. And, and, and you're talking about a fifth-year senior and a sixth-year senior, both with size and experience. So um, I don't know that, that either one of them does compare 
like apple to apple with any of the receivers that Nebraska's brought in through the portal. Um, but the point is well made that they've had a lot of success, more success with receivers in the portal than in any other position group. So um, that's, that's positive. I mean, you can look at Marcus Washington, same yeah. thing. Um, Isaiah Garcia Castaneda had flashes at the beginning of the 22 season. Um, and then it's been a roller coaster ride with injuries and he left the team at one point, but you know, he's back too. And is somebody that can help them so he can add to his uh, production uh, for Nebraska from, from the portal, the portal two years ago, but still a, a guy who came from the portal. So, uh, you, you know, I think there, there are high hopes for, for those two new receivers as, as there should be. Mitch, I know there's a lot of uh, folks that given the news of the last few weeks, probably are a little more uh, excited about the prospects next season. Certainly anytime you bring in a five-star quarterback, that's going to, that's going to liven some things up. But when you look at the bigger picture, and certainly anytime a program like Nebraska is trying to make a splash again, it will get a lot of attention. But this conference is going to go through some radical changes with the new teams, no more divisions, the questions of where Harbaugh is going to be, Ryan Day, who has now dramatically retooled the Ohio State radar, is it or roster? Is it possible Nebraska can fly under the radar next season? Yeah, I mean they're they're not going to be the team at Big Ten Media Days that everyone is uh, is 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 drooling over, and that's right. usually been the case with Nebraska. I mean, you bring these four teams from the West Coast in, and that's just all the more reason to take eyeballs off Nebraska. And you know, the only yeah, I mean, having Dylan Rayola. Um, is a reason for people to talk about Nebraska. And when Matt Rule's at the podium and the players are there, um, you know, I mean, it's not just Big Ten Midi days, but I'm using that as, as like the window to look into this. People will be interested in Nebraska and they'll want to talk about that conversation. And then as soon as they leave, you know, it, or even when they're in the room, because, depending on what, what other teams are, are, are featured in that moment, um, it, you know, it, it'll very much be div- divided attention. You know, I don't think Nebraska is going to take Dylan there. Um, I don't think Nebraska is going to put Dylan on a pedestal this offseason. You know, we'll probably hear from him a limited amount of times in the spring. They'll want to put the attention on the the older players, the veterans, the guys who made decisions to come back and, and help take Nebraska back to the postseason or attempt to take Nebraska back to the postseason. Guys like Ty Robinson and Isaac Gifford and Bryce Benhart. I mean, the, the, the captain-type players, the guys who are likely to earn the, the single-digit Jersey numbers. That's where the focus is going to be. And, and, you know, that's probably not something that's going to draw Nebraska a ton of attention on the regional or national conference slash conference level. I mean, you say national and conference, and that's basically the same thing at this point. It's like a coast to coast conference. So um, they're, they're, those guys, they're, they're not going to, they're not going to get people excited outside the state of Nebraska. And I, and I don't think that Nebraska has a real problem with that, no. that reality. I think that's a great thing. Sure. And, and maybe yeah. they could surprise some folks. Maybe. That's their intention. Yeah, it, 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 that you know, as they as they as they start today, um, you know, this is a this is a team officially as of today, um, with the start of 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 school. Everybody who, uh, who who transferred in, you know, they're officially Nebraska Cornhuskers when they go to their first class, and and so they're more a team today than than they were yesterday. Um, and that's going to move forward through through the through the next period, which is spring practice, and then into the summer when the the late enrolling freshmen or the regular enrolling freshmen uh, come come in, and they uh, yeah they're they're happy um, being under the radar. Um, there's a lot of teams that that are that are at the, on the radar for reasons that they would prefer not to be. You know that's not the case right now with Michigan, but it may be if 
Um, if the coach, if, uh, if Jim Harbaugh leaves, you know, Washington, what they're going through right now uh, in the roster turnover department af- after, you know, some of it um, just by natural uh, departures with, with uh, expired eligibility and then a lot of it because of the coaching change. I mean, that's a team that played for the national championship two weeks ago, and it's probably going to be picked to finish in the middle of the Big Ten, which, um, you know, speaks to what's happened in Seattle and, and then also, um, of course, the uh, just the depth in this conference. Hey, Mitch, I wanted to ask you about something you hit on earlier, and that is just like the influx of these players. And, and like, if I would have asked you, and I probably did, I know I asked a couple of people a month ago on signing day, like, hey, what, what's the over-under on, on players that they add before spring ball? They have certainly hit the over on that. They added more high school players last week, which I don't mm-hmm. think any of us saw coming. What What is your reaction to that? Not so much in terms of how good or bad these players are going to be, but the math of this roster. I know that you are probably asked it all the time. Well, what does this mean? How are they going to get down to 85? They obviously have a complete and total belief in that. What What, what is the, the takeaway from it from that perspective and, and maybe even roster construction in terms of making sure everyone's happy? Yeah, I mean, I, I, get, I do get asked about the 85, and, and you know, I'd, I'd have to just kind of kind of wave it away at this point because it's not, I don't think it's about that number. Um, and Nebraska's not talking about that number. Nebraska's not classifying it in terms of that number um, and in, anywhere close to the way that it did. Um, you know, even last year, but certainly in the you know more, more to the point in the pre-NIL era, you notice when they released the list of scholarship, or I'm sorry, the, li- the list of um, I should <laughs> the list of signed recruits mm. on on December 20th. Um, it, there were 39 players on there, and there was no differentiation between whether they were preferred walk-ons or or they were they were signing national letters of intent. You know, the only way we knew if the letter of intent came in was was you know if if that information came from the player, you know, some of them are obvious. I mean, Dylan Rayola, yeah, he's on football scholarship, big surprise, but um, some of them are, are, are not as obvious, you know, a guy like, like Nebraska added to the, to the list last week, Jordan Ochoa, the, the defensive end from, from Castle Rock, Colorado. Um, he's a preferred walk on, but you know, that status could change uh, depending on who goes into the portal after the spring, um, depending on, you know, what they work out with, with NIL once he's once he's in school um it's uh it's all just a very fluid thing and I think the number to look at is the 115 um and I, and I did put out a list of of 115 last week which I, I already know that there's going to be two or three changes to um just in in information that I heard last week after that list came out um when when the when the the roster the 2024 roster which will be updated I think this week on on huskers.com it comes out there are there are a couple of walk-ons who would have been toward the bottom of that 115 list that are not going to be with with the program you know nothing that's going to make a big headline but that's the nature of it it's always going to be changing and always evolving um up until the beginning of of camp around august 1st and and and, you know eventually matt rule's going to want this roster around 120 players you know they're quite a bit over that right now because they continue continue to add 40 a season and if you do that for four or five years you're like 160 to 200 you know of course players leave and players come in but um they, they, they what it's going to mean is a lot more competition um that's what they want it to mean that's what it is going to mean and uh you know you're going to see that in spring you're going to see it uh, even more so uh, once things get going in august mitch sherman of the athletic mitch thanks again and uh enjoy the melting weather thank you you guys do the same thank you, you mitch will. mitch sherman joining us on the 42 degrees the source hotline we were joking late last week about the Polynesian Bowl and how we're not going to watch it.
Correct. Um, Do you have TV ratings or something? It seems like you're leading up into the TV ratings. Actually, I did look to see if there were any TV ratings. And? Well, it definitely wasn't in the top 150 cable television shows on Friday. Well, understandably so. Yeah. Understandably so. It does, in all seriousness, it does make me wonder, and listen, for the guys who got to experience it, for the Rayolas who got to go back to their home state, and I'm sure it was a very fun week. Sure. Um, it's certainly an interesting experience. I just, I don't see the value. What is the overall value? I think there's there, there's the potential for more bad things to come out of it than good. Yeah, you asked that question last week, and I think it's an, uh, I think it's a good one given the era in which we live in and, right. the, and the discussions around player safety. They don't have a Pro Bowl what? anymore. There's a lot of these all-star games. I mean, over Christmas, we used to have the Blue-Gray game and the Hula Bowl. Those things don't exist anymore. Yeah, so I think it's a fine question, you know, to ask what is this? What is the purpose of it beyond? Because this one, and I guess I didn't pay attention to it, so maybe I'm wrong here, but this one didn't seem to have, like, the pomp and circumstance of committing even because of the when it came. Well, sure, yeah, all of these guys already had a school for the most part. So, So, yeah, I have no idea. But for those of you who, if there's any of you out there that watched it from start to finish. Jed. You are a Jeff hardier Reed. man than I. I don't think Jed is a high school high school all star game guy. No. But there were a lot of the a lot of the fan podcast folks for Nebraska seemed like they were watching it. I didn't feel that's like the I videos needed... that I saw showing up on my feed. Like, look at this frozen rope. I hump. I didn't see. I didn't need to watch it. Literally, the only rope. highlight was on my timeline over and over there was and two over. Plays, again. Right, the Carter was Nelson, there? and then he remember. threw a touchdown. The under hit on the oh the. I the oh, I could have told you that. Huh? No one ever scores in these games. He threw one touchdown. He kept having all the drop passes. Who was he? Patrick Mahomes with all those chips guys? How do you know it wasn't his bad throw? I guess that's what I heard from the Husker <laughs> fans. Good point, John. He might have had bad throws. He might have had bad throws. All right. We uh, Still to come, the Jays with their huge bounce back. Did Nebraska work themselves back into, or I guess they've been in the tournament conversation, but have they... Help solidify their. Have they tournament secured resume? their bid? Have they locked up their bid? No, they have definitely not locked up their bid. Oh, okay. That much I can tell you. Okay. Uh, also, we will take a trip to the hot take market on free samples day. Thank yeah, we haven't God. talked about the our Chiefs takes, today. John. Our takes about the playoff games from this weekend. By the way, an update as well on Debo Samuel. Next on sixteen twenty, the zone. You've worked hard for what you have: your money, your assets, your four hundred one k, and home. Isn't it all worth protecting? Nearly one in four consumers have been a victim of identity theft. LifeLock Ultimate Plus helps protect your finances with up to three million dollars in reimbursement. LifeLock alerts you to identity threats you might miss, and if your identity is stolen, your dedicated U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. Let LifeLock help protect what you've worked so hard for. Save twenty-five percent off your first year on LifeLock Ultimate Plus at lifelock.com/aware. Terms apply.